Welcome to the Thinking Christian Podcast, your weekly guide to solid Christian thinking on culture, science, faith, and Christian confidence, hosted by Tom Gilson. Tom is a senior editor with The Stream, stream stream.org. He runs the top-ranked Thinking Christian blog, and he's the author of several books, including the soon-to-be-released Too Good to be False, How Jesus' Incomparable Character Reveals His Reality. Hello, I'm Tom Gilson, and I welcome you to this third episode of the new Thinking Christian Podcast. On today's episode, a fresh look at Jesus, based on a question about him that you've probably never asked before. You know, I really love questions. I notice in the scriptures that Jesus asked questions all the time. You know, when people came up to him and had questions for him, he answered with a question more often than he gave a direct answer. I actually counted and found that out to be true in the Gospels. And there's an awful lot of power in asking good questions. We're we're too hesitant to do that, to ask even hard questions. I used to be a consultant, an internal consultant for a mission agency. I'd go to different teams, and my partner and I would go in there, and, and our purpose there was to help them understand how to do their part of the ministry more effectively. And it's, it's funny, we'd be approaching the time to start the the consulting engagement, and I'd be in a, almost in a panic because I'd think, I don't know anything about this team. I don't know anything about what they're doing. What do I have to offer? Well, my friend Clark and I would go in there, and we'd ask a lot of questions, and when we'd leave, they'd be smarter than when we got there. It's not because we had any new wisdom to offer them. We asked them questions to help them see what they already knew, but see it from a different perspective. And that's what I'm hoping to do today with this question about Jesus, to help you see him from a different perspective. It's a question. I'm going to keep you waiting for a little bit longer before I tell you what it is. You'll just have to wait. It's a question I've actually never heard anyone ask, ever, for two reasons, probably. It's partly because we think we already know the answer, and we do in part, but we don't know it in all the depth that it has to offer. So it's it's that we either think we already know the answer or we think there's something wrong or even sacrilegious about asking it. By the time I'm done here, though, by the time we're done together, I expect you'll find out there's more to learn from it than you would have expected and that the answer, far from being sacrilegious, displays Jesus' awesome, majestic greatness in ways that you hadn't previously seen him, hadn't previously considered. So, okay, finally, here's the question. Uh, Remember, this is about digging in and learning more about Jesus' greatness. My question, this is going to surprise you, my question is, why is anybody interested in his story? Why is anybody interested in the story of Jesus? Okay, you're wondering, okay, is that a serious question? Yes, it is. Like I said, you probably think you know the answer. You probably do know some good answers to the question. But I I think if I develop the question further, you're going to see some more of why it matters and, and why it's a useful question. There's more to it than meets the eye, and that's because in all the English literature that you were taught, or whatever language, and in every story you've ever enjoyed, there's one main requirement for an interesting main character that Jesus doesn't meet. It's the one thing that everyone knows is required in order to have a good story. 
and Jesus doesn't have it. Yet Jesus is certainly interesting. Across the world, for thousands of years, people have loved his story more than any other, even though it's missing that one crucial factor that the teachers all tell us is indispensable. As main characters go, it would be saying way too little to say he's interesting or compelling. He's actually the one human being who's ever walked the earth that I can honestly say I worship, along with millions and millions of other people. So what's lacking in his story? What is it that makes his story different from every other really good story you've ever read or heard? In every great story, there's a main character who shows some weakness or some need. We see how they handle that weakness, how they grow through it, or else, as in, for example, some tragedies, how they, how bad it turns out when they stay stuck in their weakness. Perfection is boring. Perfection, really, it doesn't make for good stories. You'll never find, with this one exception of Jesus, you'll never find an interesting story with a compelling main character who's perfect from the start, who starts out perfect and stays perfect all the way through. Now, I discovered this for real while I was recovering from one of several foot surgeries I've had a couple of years ago. The doc said I had to spend a week in bed with my foot elevated above my heart. And there's not much you can do when you're not even allowed to sit up in bed. So I decided to watch the old TV series Mission Impossible on streaming TV. I used to love Mission Impossible. Jim Phelps and his team solved the most unlikely problems, usually by some sort of psychological trickery. You could even call it conning the bad guys a lot of the time. And they did along with some of the most amazing technology, uh, for the 60s at least. It was just, it was great seeing how they kept on doing the impossible. It was great, that is, until I was stuck in bed and decided to watch a whole bunch of episodes in a row. I binge-watched the whole series. By the time I reached the end, though, I'd lost interest. The only reason I kept going was inertia. I just didn't care. And that's because there was no character development in the show. There was, there was really hardly any character at all because they were always perfect right from the start. Did anyone on the team have any flaws? Not that you could see. Were there any character struggles? Not in, in any point that you could notice on the show. Was there any character growth? Nope. Every mission was a perfect success right from the start. Besides that, no one on the show had any home life. They had no relationships off the team. No one had any particularly noticeable relationship on the team either. No one struggled with himself or with her own self or, or with anyone else on the show. It went blah. It went flat. I got over the coolness of the cons that they were employing, and it just became forgettable. Now, Hollywood doesn't write TV shows that way anymore. Yeah, they've changed in some other ways, too. They're, they've gone too far in sexual expression and violence. I wish it weren't so. But but what I do appreciate in a show like, for example, NCIS, is that you've got something approximating real people living real lives. Approximating, well, yeah, exaggerating, too. But they're exaggerations of reality. Take Gibbs, Jethro Gibbs, the lead character on NCIS. He has real strengths, real flaws, a real past with a real serious mistake in it to overcome. If you watch the series from the start, you'll see him grow as a character. 
in his relationships with the team, with the team's the, the, the entire team's relationship as it develops into something a lot like a family. You'll see growth in Tony. You'll see growth in Tim. You'll see growth in Eleanor Bishop. As for Ziva, well, she's another story altogether. But this is what we want in a story, isn't it? So why is it that we care about Jesus? He starts out perfect. He stays perfect. He's perfect all the way through. What room is there for struggle or for growth or for any kind of development or for solving problems, uh, personal character issues and facing them down in a man whose story starts out with him already having heaven's perfect approval, who, who starts out facing down every temptation that's thrown his way? His first sermon... Uh, okay, I mean, we got to take a, a look at that for a moment and, and just think about that. I'm talking about the one that Matthew places first, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And in order to really get a, a grasp on how incredible this is, let's do another comparison. Have you ever heard a young preacher give his first sermon? I have, more than once. One of them tried to impress the congregation with his huge vocabulary. He shot right over their heads. Another one, it was just sleepy. I yawned today just thinking about it. I remember another one being horribly disorganized. Come to think of it, I used to train young missionaries in communication and in speaking skills. They all gave talks for practice. You know how much anyone remembers about what any of them said? Nothing. Nada. Zip. Now, I have heard some some actually great messages, some messages that I could still tell you the main points years later in them. But these came from really seasoned, mature, trained communicators, not from 30-year-olds giving their first public messages. But then there's Jesus' first sermon. Again, this is according to Matthew's timeline. Was his first sermon good, the Sermon on the Mount? Was it memorable? Well, yeah, I join many others in in considering it by far the most perfect sermon ever preached. It wasn't just memorable. It was history-making. It was history-changing. That was his first sermon. <laughs> when I was a, a musician, a music major in college, I was a freshman. We played a concert with a guest conductor. Uh, this was the Michigan State University Symphonic Band, and Colonel Arnold Gabriel came in. Uh, he was the conductor of the U.S. Air Force Band, and he led us in a concert including uh, Respighi's Festa Romana. And my goodness, as a conductor, he was incredible. We played our hearts out. It was amazing. And afterwards... A horn player friend of mine, he said, this is depressing. I'm 19 years old, and I've just played the best music I will ever play in my entire life. Well, Jesus preached the best sermon of his entire life, except no, it wasn't downhill from there. He stayed at the top of his game all the way through. There's no growth from perfection, but he didn't drop from perfection either. See, we forget that the story of Jesus is a story. It's a true one, but it's still a story. And as a story, it ought to obey the rules of stories. It doesn't. 
It breaks them all to pieces. Jesus himself breaks the rules. Something in him makes the exception to all the rules. Something in Jesus makes him really interesting, even though it's not the usual thing. The usual thing being character flaws, character growth, that kind of progress and development as someone deals with an internal need or an internal flaw. That's not what makes Jesus interesting. So what is it? I'll tell you a couple obvious ones. And then I'll tell you why they're wrong. The real answers, yeah, they're much better. The first obvious wrong answer is that it's interesting because of the miracles Jesus does. Well, yeah, there's some drama in some of them, maybe even some humor. Like when he goes for a walk on the water, the disciples see him out for a stroll in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. They're scared out of their wits. They think he's a ghost. And he says, in Aramaic, of course, he says, hey, y'all, come down. It's fine. It's me. I just think that's kind of funny. Or I think of how totally cool it must have been to see those five loaves and two fishes grow into enough to feed thousands with basketfuls left over. That's all good stuff. By itself, though, apart from the from the real factors that make Jesus so memorable, it wouldn't last his literature for more than a few years. The miracle parts, I mean. Because miracle stories are easy. They're like Mission Impossible success stories. They're easy to tell, but they're not automatically interesting on their own. It's not the miracles that make Jesus so interesting. Well, you might think that it's it's all the conflicts that he gets into with the scribes, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees. And yeah, okay, that adds that adds some drama. I love how how Jesus gets them. He gets them so good sometimes. But I don't think that's it either. Because he never loses. He never gets ruffled even. You know, you watch a gunfight on TV today, and you know the show's heroes aren't going to get killed, but, but you can at least see them looking worried. Jesus never looks worried. He's too far on top for that. It's like a pro basketball team squaring off against your local high school players. Where's the drama? I don't think that's it either, in other words. That's not what makes Jesus so compelling. That's not what draws so many millions of people in to love his story so much. Okay, so I've put up two wrong answers. I've knocked them down. There's actually lots of right answers. What's yours? Let me suggest some. Jesus is bound to be interesting because he sacrificed himself for us freely voluntarily, willingly, lovingly. We've never seen anything like that anywhere else in all of literature, in all of history, nowhere where someone came. I mean, Jesus didn't even have to be born, much less to die. He came for the purpose of giving himself up for us. Um, the, The love that was expressed in that, that's amazing. That draws our attention. Jesus is fascinating, too, because he wins even when he loses. There's an interesting dynamic going on here because he wins for us, so he's our champion. He loses, and in other words, he's he's the underdog. We love underdogs, don't we? We love it when someone overcomes the odds. We love it even more when they overcome the odds for us, when they're our champion. Well, Jesus overcome incredible odds. Uh, And I'm not just talking about the trial. I'm talking about the actual death. Talk about being an underdog. There's nothing worse than actually being dead. And yet he won. He defeated death. We love him for being the underdog champion. 
He's interesting because he's God in the flesh, and we get to see how God operates when he's in human flesh. Related to that, though, too, he's interesting to believers because when we read his story, we do it with a distinct sense of personal recognition and connection. It's not just, I know his story. It's, I know him personally. He's alive. I have an actual living relationship with him. My grandfather wrote an autobiography. I never knew my grandfather. Last time I actually saw him, I was a year and a half old. But my mom's in his autobiography. My aunts and my uncles are in his autobiography. I love to read it because there's there's this connection of recognition of family there. And it's the same thing when we read the story of Jesus. We recognize him as the one who's actually, through the Holy Spirit, is actually living in us and with us. There is that incredible connection there that makes it so much more interesting. I've got a couple more. Jesus is interesting because he's so prone to surprising us. He has a different, unexpected way of dealing with every different interaction, every different circumstance. A friend of mine says he never plays things the way we would. He never plays it the same twice in a row. There's some exceptions, but he's sometimes it just leaves you smiling like, okay, he, he did that really well. And finally, finally, I think the character of Jesus fascinates us because he lived the only truly perfect human life that's ever been lived. Now, I've been saying all along that perfection makes a story boring, but this is different. This is a picture of of what perfect human love looks like, perfect human wisdom, perfect human simplicity, and yet perfect human connection in his teaching, perfect human prayer, perfect sacrifice, perfect service, perfect care, perfect compassion. When we see Jesus, we see a picture of what God intended us to be and who God intended us to be. And it shows us that even though it's not possible for us to live that way, we can look up to him in that. So it's a it's a great story. Jesus is perfect. If that's a deficit, he gets over it really well. There have been many, many other great stories told, but none like this one. Jesus' story is unique among all the stories. He stands out. His sacrifice for us is unique among all sacrifices. The grace by which he says we can come to God is unique among any other religion's ways. But let's not overlook the fact that the story itself is really different, not just because of its miracles, not just because there's something impressive there, but because there's something amazing about Jesus' character. I wrote about this in my book, Too Good to be False, and I want to mention it before I go. It's an entire book in which I take a different perspective on Jesus, asking different questions, noticing different things about him. It's coming up for advanced sale on July 13th, we expect, and for full release on August 1st. Until then, if you want to get a preview chapter of it, you can go to my website, thinkingchristian.net, and either wait for the pop-up to show or just click on the subscribe button. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, you'll get a link to a download for a free preview chapter. So I hope you'll do that. Just go to thinkingchristian.net and click on subscribe. Subscribe to the newsletter, get a free preview chapter, and take a look at the book Too Good to be False, how Jesus' incomparable character 
reveals his reality. For the Thinking Christian Podcast, this has been Tom Gelson. Thank you for listening. The Thinking Christian Podcast is copyright by Thomas Gilson. For more information, visit the Thinking Christian blog at thinkingchristian.net.